0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast, making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. So we are in our series, Living Your Life in Overcoming Power. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Living Your Life in Overcoming Power. That's what we want to do as Christians. That's what God promised us to be able to do as Christians. Amen. There's a lot of times that people aren't always overcoming. Sad to say, even some of us as his people, we're not overcoming as we should be overcoming. But his promise is that we shall overcome. So we got to find out what connects overcoming to being his people and what makes his people to be those overcomers. Amen. And that's his word. We've already talked about that a couple of weeks. We talked about the word of God, the power of the word. Last week, we talked about the power of the blood. And today we're going to talk about the power of the Spirit. And this is probably going to go on for a couple of weeks, so I'm going, to, I'm going to lay down some fundamental things and some elementary things that I'm sure that many of you here today may know. But there might be somebody here this morning that does not know this and that has not taken it and applied it to their life. And for those folks, I hope that you will open your heart up to the Lord today because he's got some good things for you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's got some good things for you, and he's got some good things for me. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts is the historical uh, beginnings of the first century church as Christ ascended into heaven. And as he told his disciples, as he was leaving the earth, he gave to them these instructions to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. So we're going to start right there. We're jumping right in uh, with that on Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to be going through that so you can keep your Bibles or your, uh, your phone or your pads, whatever it is that you're using to follow along with, uh, open to Acts chapter 1. But I will be making some comments along the way. So if you've already opened up your Bible, if you've already opened up your apps, now I want you to open up your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we've come to receive from your word today. We ask that the mighty anointing that is upon and within your holy word and that abides in us as your people, all of that will come together and mix with our faith in our heart, that we will establish your word in our heart and that we will fulfill each and every one of your promises to us. We will fulfill the commandments and the word that you give to us to do. I pray that for myself. I pray that for this congregation this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, and of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence, or not many days from now. Uh, So he talked about the promise of the Father. Go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And then he mentions John the Baptist. Uh, So uh, Matthew records slightly different wording. Uh, In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, this is John the Baptist speaking, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that. The Holy Ghost and fire. How many of you got the Holy Ghost and fire in your bones, amen, in your spirit? That's what he said that he was going to baptize them with. And so John is proclaiming this. I don't, I'm not even worthy to undo his shoes. He's coming after me. I'm baptizing you with water, which is a good thing. But when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So uh, he says that the promise uh, of the Father. So the promise of the Father also came through the lips of Jesus himself. So the, the promise came through John's lips. When he said, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So that was the promise of the Father coming through his servant, John the Baptist, as he spoke to the people. Amen. That promise also came through Jesus himself. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said, but when the Comforter is come. Now the word Comforter uh, in the Greek is paraklete or parakletos. And it means one coming alongside of another for the purpose of helping them. Amen. It's kind of like a courtroom setting, whereas you're standing before a judge and a lawyer comes alongside of you to help speak to the judge, all of that legal jargon that you and I don't know necessarily. Amen. And let me, let me say one thing to you today. If you were standing before a judge and you had to have an advocate, a lawyer standing next to you, Wouldn't you love the fact that the judge, that the lawyer that you have was the the son of the judge? (laughs) Ah, think about that. Now, that's just a little, you know, practical thing that we can get our minds around in in thinking of a courtroom. But uh, we have an advocate with the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, so we also have this comforter that Jesus said was going to come and be with us and be in us. So he says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Ghost will come and he will dwell with you and he's going to testify of me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and this is another place where Jesus is talking about this promise of the Father. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. There's that word again. That he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. In you. So not only do we have this comforter who's going to come alongside of us. We have a comforter promised by Jesus who is going to come and be in us. Amen. John chapter 16, verse 7. uh, He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus is preparing his disciples as he's ministering to them in his earthly ministry for the time in which he will ascend into heaven and he will be leaving them. But he's saying, don't worry, because I'm going to send to you the comforter, the Holy Ghost, who will be with you and he will be in you. He will testify of me. He will be the spirit of truth that will reveal truth to you in your heart. Amen. Uh, And we're glad of that this morning, that we have that wonderful comforter that Jesus promised. Amen. So going down to verse 6 in in Acts chapter 1. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying... Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his power, in his own power. So Jesus, according to this, never expected them to try to figure out the exact timing of his return. It is amazing, isn't it, church, how many books have been written and how many people have precisely said exactly when Jesus is coming? Now, to to understand the context of the scriptures, Jesus did say that there were things that we should watch for as we come into what is referred to as the end of time or the last days. Uh, This is all written through many places in the scriptures. Uh, The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, warning him of what to be looking for in the last days and what Christians should be looking for in the last days. Last days meaning before Christ returns again. Before Christ returns. Amen. Uh, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers, lovers of pleasures, and more, uh, uh, more than lovers of God. And then he says, from such, turn away from, don't have any part of that. That's what's going to be going on in the end of time. Amen. We see that happening in our world today. We see that fierceness. We see that unnatural affection. Uh, you know, he's, he's talking about uh, homosexuality right there. He's talking about uh, things that are outside of the marriage bonds. Amen. And uh, we're seeing much of this today, and it's being promoted in such a way that it's a good thing. It's okay. It's just an alternative lifestyle. And that's being pumped into our little ones today. And and somebody needs to say, you know what? This is not right. This is not natural. This is not good. And the scripture says, this is what's going to happen towards the end of time. Now, there are other scriptures like that that we can go into today where God gives us uh, particular warnings and specific things that we should watch for. But right here, he's, these guys are asking him. The precise time. When, when are you going to do these things and when is this going to happen? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the day or the hour that these things are going to happen. So basically, uh, he, he didn't uh, expect for them, nor does he expect for us, to sit and try to figure out the exact timing of Jesus' return. Amen. But as I said earlier, it's amazing how many books have been written by people. Who would do that? I know that Brother Don remembers this. Uh, we had a friend uh, that was uh, one of our golfing buddies and a, a member of our church. Uh, but Pastor Don actually pastored another church at that point in time. But in 1988, we have uh, we had a friend that gave to us a little a little booklet, uh, several pages, maybe ten pages, a little small little booklet, kind of like in a tract form almost. 88 reasons why Jesus is being back in October of 88. And, that, and he gave me one of those, and he says, he says, hey, Brother Mike, you know, I, I, I love the church a lot of times when they find something like that, they say, hey, Pastor, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? You know? And so he came to me with, with that kind of attitude. He, said, well, he says, hey, have you read this yet? And I said, no, I haven't. I haven't seen that. He says, oh, he says, you got to read this. He says, what do you think of this? And I read the title, 88 Reasons Why We Know Jesus Is Coming Back in October of 1988. I looked at it, and I said, eh, not much. Oh, man, he was almost offended. You know, what did you, I thought you are looking for the coming of the Lord. You know, and he went off on me. I said, yeah, I don't think much of that at all. Jesus said, no man will know the day or the hour. And you're going to tell me that this man knows the day and the hour? That's anti-scriptural. Amen. Anti-biblical. Sorry, I'm not going for that. I'm sticking with the Bible. Amen. Hey, everybody say that with me. I'm sticking with the Bible. <laughs> Amen. Sticking with God's word. Amen. Funny thing about that, Jesus never came in 88. But people were buying that booklet up like crazy. That guy got rich off of that one. Thank you very much. My next point. In 89, you can't, you you almost can't just make this stuff up. In 89, he came out with another booklet and it's still sold in the Christian church. He missed one thing. And Jesus is coming now in 89. Well, 89 is come and gone, and we're still here. Jesus hasn't returned, has he? Some Amen, he's coming. And I can guarantee you this, his coming today is nearer than the time that that guy wrote that book. That's, that's a fact, because we know that time is ticking, and we are drawing near, nearer all the time to the coming of the Lord. But the point that I'm making here in this is that the Lord does not want us to get all wrapped up in the timing of when he's coming, but he certainly would have us to make sure that we and our families and our friends and even enemies that you have along the way are prepared for his return. That's the important thing, amen? That we're ready that we're ready for his return. So Jesus says to them, he says, that's in the Father's Father's will. He'll let you know that when it happens. He says, don't be worried about that. But look at verse eight. He says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Power, dunamis. It's the same word that we get our word dynamite from, or dynamo. And it's inherent power within us, able to reproduce itself. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Hallelujah. God is inside of you. I said that uh, last week, I think it was. Think about that thought. The Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, lives inside of you once you receive him as your Lord and your Savior. What an awesome thing. Amen. So he says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. The word witnesses there in the Greek is martos. And it's the same word as martyr. So you shall be my witnesses. We all love that word. But thinking about it in the terms of the Greek, you shall be my martyrs. Wow. That's a little bit different. And no doubt he was letting them know and us know and anybody who bears the name of Christ that it may be our physical bodies even that we will lay down for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many have from that very day to this, all of the apostles, almost every single one of them, died by the sword or by crucifixion or by being torn apart by uh, wild beasts or whatever. Uh, All of the first century Christians knew what persecution was. And today, remember a few years ago, uh, these ISIS guys that had, what, 11 guys in in orange uniforms and they cut their heads off. And they put it on, I think it was YouTube, or they got it on the internet somehow, some way, but then it was shut down real quickly. Some of you may have actually seen it, because they, they showed it. I, I personally believe that it ought to be on the internet, and every one of us ought to see it. Yes. We all ought to see that. Because when we think of people being killed for the sake of Christ, it's over there. It's over there. It's way over there. It's, you know, it's in the back of our mind. But when you would be confronted with actually seeing them cut off the heads of people who name the name of Christ, it, it does something else to you. Amen? It's kind of like when, the, uh, uh, if you take a little baby, these babies that are being aborted, hold it in your hand, yeah. an aborted baby, and look at that aborted baby and say, this little child should have never lived, so it's okay. Or you would look at that little child and say, my, my, my God, what, ha- what are we doing Amen. And pictures of that kind of register in our brain that way. But when we just talk about it as a thing out there, it, it doesn't have that, that, that impact. Amen. So uh, thinking about this word witness and being a martyr. So we may even be called upon to give our lives for Christ. Well, the good thing about those 11 guys or how many there were that gave their life to Jesus uh, uh, and said, yep, we're not going to deny Christ, cut off our heads if you want to. There was one there that wasn't a Christian that said, because of their stand, they must have something. I want what you guys have. And gave his life to Christ and was also beheaded. Amen. Think about that, the power of their Witness. We're going to be talking about that in the weeks to come. The power of your testimony. Amen. But, uh, but he says, you shall be my witnesses. So we may even have to give our life for Christ. We need to think this through. We may have to literally lay down our physical life. But for sure, we need to die to ourselves daily. As the Apostle Paul said. I need to die to this old fleshly carnal mind, this carnal way of thinking, this secular way of thinking, thinking, this worldly way of thinking. I need to die to that each and every day. Amen. And so we're either going to be a martyr, spiritually speaking, or we may be one even physically uh, down the road. But he's assuring them, he says, you are going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be able to go through whatever martyrdom you're called to go through. Amen. For the sake of Christ. Amen. So he tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem for this promise to come. Amen. And this is interesting. It says that 120 received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came down, 120 of them received the baptism in that upper room. And they all came out speaking in other tongues, every last one of them. Amen. But this is pretty cool. He tells them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He didn't say go and wait tomorrow afternoon for the promise of the Father. Go and have a three-day conference, a prayer conference in an upper room and wait three days. He didn't tell them how long they were going to be waiting at all. He said, but you go there and you wait until that promise comes because he knows, <laughs> he knows when that promise comes, you're going to know it guys. When that promise comes, you're going to, you're going to know what you have. You're going to know what has come among you. It will be the promise of the father. Amen. So they go there and they're actually tarrying in Jerusalem for 10 days before that actually happened. Wow. 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 Some have suggested that maybe they started out maybe with 500 people because we know that uh, the scripture says the, of the many infallible proofs that Jesus was raised from the de- dead, one of the things that Paul cites is that he was seen a- among more than 500 brethren at one time. Amen. So it wasn't just a vision, it wasn't just a hallucination. It, it, you know, f- more than 500 people saw him at one time. So maybe they started out in, the, in this room with 500 people. Who knows? The scripture doesn't really say, but we know that by the time that the Holy Ghost did come, there was 120 of them in that upper room and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. And they came and fire too. And they came out speaking in other tongues and all the people around them said, what in the world does this mean? What does this mean? And so Peter, who was fearful and ran for his life, just like all of the other disciples did. Denied the Lord three times. And then finally, the rooster crowed. As Jesus said, this was going to happen before this night's over. The rooster's going to crow and you're going to have denied me three times prior to that. It happened just exactly the way that Jesus said it. And so here is Peter on this day of Pentecost when this happened. He comes out of that room a changed man, a changed man, because he goes from this weakling who's denying that he ever even knew Christ to standing boldly and proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, the Jewish Messiah, speaking to many people who uh, were not receiving his uh, his message necessarily. But I, I'm not going to read that whole thing, but uh, we know that this is the first uh, actual uh, sermon given after the church had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then he comes down uh, in the 37th verse, in the, in the second chapter of Acts, uh, where they all received, okay, and uh, did, we didn't even read that, did we? Acts chapter 2, uh, but it says that they were all in one accord, in one place, waiting in the presence of the Lord, or waiting for the presence of the Lord, and suddenly The Holy Spirit came into the room, baptized them all with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. So Peter preaches this sermon. And then in verse 37 of chapter 2, he says, Now, it says there, Luke is writing this and recording it. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? If all of these things that you just preached to us is the truth, then then what what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So this is God's gift to all who will receive it. God's gift to all who will receive it. Peter said, this is what you need to do. You need to repent of your sins and you need to be baptized and you need to follow after the Lord. And if you'll do that, you too will receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. So God's, this God's gift, think of it in this, this term. Not only is he the, the person of the, of, of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, But it is a gift for us to be able to have such access unto him. This is a gift that God gives to us. Uh, How would you like it if you wrapped up a beautiful gift for your child and he just refused to open it? You're sitting there and you're anticipating, oh man, they're just going to love this. Christmas time is a great time for, for all of that stuff, right? Wrap it all up, got it all neatly wrapped and, and you know that it's something that that's going to excite them and then you put the gift before them, they look at the package and they go hmm and you're anticipating them opening that package and getting excited about it. But they just they just refuse to open it. Or he opens it and he shows no interests in what was inside of it. How would that make you feel? honestly, as a parent, wouldn't that just cause your heart to just go, just deflate. I mean, it's all pumped up. It's like a big balloon inside of you. It's all pumped up and you're waiting and you're waiting for, for him to just be excited about it. And then all of a sudden you're deflated. Think of what the almighty God is thinking when people despise this gift. Think about what God is thinking when he, when he offers this gift to all who will receive it. Anyone who wants it can have it by repenting of their sins, being baptized, following Christ, and opening their heart to receive it. But they don't. They refuse it. Think about how God feels about that. And, and he didn't just go down to the corner store. Come on, church. Jesus didn't just go down to Walmart, Kmart, Costco, Sam's Club. He didn't just go down there and purchase this gift that people refused to open. He sent his son to die on the cross for every one of our sins that we've ever committed. Blotted them out like they never ever happened. Gave to us the freedom from the bondage that we were in and he offers that to every living creature, every living being. And so many people refuse it. He paid a price. He paid a dear price for this gift that you and I can have. Wow, come on. How wonderful is this? How awesome is this? Amen. Jesus gave his life uh, for us to be able to have this Precious gift. That's what that's what Peter said. It's the gift. If you'll if you'll repent and be baptized, you you too will receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Spirit is to play a major role in the life of a Christian. Too many times, uh, too many Christians relegate the Holy Ghost, His presence, His person in their life as something that they can either do with or without. That's sad. But come on, it's true. It's true. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of times people uh, who are Christians, they may have given their life to Jesus. Anybody who received Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Anybody. But we have to also know what the, the whole counsel of God is, and that there is a subsequent happening to your salvation that you can have, that God says that you can have, and that is the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a second happening in our life. It's something else that we can have just the same as salvation. So anyone who is saved, anyone who is born again, anyone who has received Christ as their savior, they have the Holy Spirit in their life. We do not downplay them as a Christian. They're not less of a Christian than you or I. If you have the Holy Spirit, Uh, nobody's less of a Christian because they don't speak in tongues. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. You have to repent of your sins and receive Christ as Lord. If you don't do that, you ain't going to heaven. Period. That's what Jesus said. That's not what Pastor Mike said. That's what Jesus said. I'm just repeating what he said. Amen. So he gives this precious Holy Spirit, but a lot of times people just they don't they don't think much of the Holy Spirit. They don't think enough. Even the Christians who don't have that don't think of it enough to inquire to God about it. Now they'll listen to someone like, I'm just gonna throw a name out there, I'm not just picking on him, he's one of those guys that I believe is born again on his way to heaven, but he's very confused when it comes to this, John MacArthur. A, a, a lot of fundamental uh, believers, fundamentalists if you wanna call them that, uh, Baptists or whatever names you wanna put on the, uh, the denomination, He doesn't believe in this. And he teaches people not to believe in this. So what I'm saying is that there are a lot of Christians who will listen to a man like that. I'm not just picking on him above others. There's plenty of people out there the same way. But they would rather listen to a man talk about how this is not of God as opposed to opening up their own Bibles and seeing what the Bible has to say about it. Come on, church. That's what we ought to be doing when Pastor Mike is up here preaching. You ought to be able to go home and look in your Bible and say, Is that really in the Bible? Does the Bible really say this? Amen. That's what the Bereans did. They studied. They listened to Paul's preaching. But then they went home and they searched the scriptures to see if those things were true. Amen. And that's what the church ought to do. But the church, many people in the church, and I'm talking about Christians right now, many of those Christians will not even take the time or the energy or the effort to open up the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about this gift. Doesn't matter what so-and-so or Dr. Bucketmouth has to say about it. Jesus gave his life to give us this precious gift. That ought to be a thought that just is driven home in our hearts. Amen. And so, so much uh, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be playing such a role in our hearts is that he, he's our closest friend. Yes. He's our closest friend. Yes. Mary's, Mary's my very, 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 very close friend. I wouldn't want to live a day on the earth without her. Sorry dear. Your second fiddle. She's second place. My best friend is the Lord Jesus Christ and he is living in my life and through my life through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. I think she feels the same way about me. God's got to be first. The Holy Spirit's got to be first. And he is that important in our lives. And we need to think about that in that way. Our children are very important in our lives, but we cannot make idols out of them. Yeah. God would have us to worship him yeah. first and foremost and, 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 and not be worshipers of things in the world, yes. Yes. material things, anything other than him. Amen. So many people act as though he doesn't even exist. They they believe in the Holy Spirit. If you ask that, I'm talking about Christians right now. Because somebody might listen to this podcast who's not here today, who might be a Christian who might just turn in to find out what in the world they teach over that cornerstone place. They'll hear this message. And so I'm talking to Christians right now. There are many Christians who act as if the Holy Spirit does not even exist. If you ask them if he's in their life, they'll say, Yes, I've received Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in my life. And that's about as far as it goes. They never check in with him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they don't, they don't look to him for guidance in their everyday affairs. They don't fellowship with him in prayer and in communion with him. They don't believe that he can speak to them. Really? I know Christian friends. I have Christian friends who just, they look at you like a deer in headlights when you say that the Lord said this to me. Or the Lord spoke this to me. And they look at you like, you hear the Lord speaking to you? And then they move back like you got cooties or something. Some of you remember that, cooties. They, you know, they just back away from you like, wow, man, you're a strength. You hear voices? They hear the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know who they are. Yeah. And they follow me. Amen. So, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we believe, not just we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we believe he's active in our life. Yeah. We're talking about overcoming in this world. That's what this series has to do. So you might say, Pastor Mike, what is all of this getting to? We're talk, we want to talk about overcoming power. Overcome. I'm telling you about the overcoming power right now that God has given to us. One of the things that he gave to us is his word. One of the things that he's promised to us is everything that comes to us through that word and through the blood of his son. Every promise that we have comes through the blood of his son, shed for your sins and mine. And then we have the power of his spirit living within us. Amen. So this is the uh, fourth message in this series. uh, But the overcoming power, this has to do with overcoming power in our life. Listen to the various phrases that we find throughout the New Testament concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, one of them might not say exactly the Holy Spirit, but it's referring to the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell on them. The gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out. Receive the Holy Ghost. These are phrases that are New Testament. When you read through the New Testament, these are phrases that you'll find. The Holy Ghost came on them. Gifts of the Holy Ghost. I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's what we referred to already earlier. Jesus speaking. The promise of the Father. Endued with power from on high. Those are all phrases that we find that, that concern the Holy Spirit of God. That comforter, that Paracletos, who comes to live with you. To help you to be an overcomer in this world, and in this life. New Testament, find it. People who wanna, wanna look into the Holy Ghost, pick up the New Testament and begin to read it. You'll find these phrases all along. And you'll find out what God says about that. Not what a theologian says about it, what God says about it. So I would say that the Holy Ghost is supposed to have a, a prominent place in the life of a believer. Based on all of these things that cause it to be stood out, cause the Holy Spirit to stand out. And why is that? Because it is the gift that God has chosen to give to us so that we can be overcomers in this world. It's God's gift to you and I as Christians so that we can be overcomers in this world. Amen. The third thing that I want to talk about this morning is that the Holy Spirit is our helper in prayer. And this is really where we overcome, church. If we're not overcoming on our knees, we're not going to overcome. And what we need to learn to do is to press in that prayer closet and get away and get alone with the Lord and spend some time in His presence. Praying. And one of the greatest ways that we can pray is what God gave to those 120 people on that day. The power of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. This is what Paul said when he wrote to the, to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. He says, likewise the Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to pray. But the Spirit itself, and a better translation would be the Spirit himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. According to the will of God. The very best prayers that we can pray is praying in tongues. Again, I'm not going to say anything bad or negative about those who do not have this ability to speak in other tongues. They can pray unto God in their their own understanding, with their own understanding. They can ask of God certain things. They can pray to God different things. God answers their prayers. Not a problem. But there is something special about this that we're talking about today. The speaking in other tongues. So I'm just trying to let you know, if you're here today and you have not yet received this gift, you want this gift. You want this gift. You do not want to be a Christian who looks at God's gift and say, I don't need that. I don't want that. No, please. No. This is something that you need. This is something you need in your life. If If we didn't need it, God would not have provided that for us. So Paul is saying that a lot of times we don't even know how to pray for what or what to pray for and how to go about praying about that thing. I testify to that. I confess to that. There are a lot of times that I want to pray about something I don't even know where to go. I I know where to go. I know to go to the Lord, but I don't know how to pray about it. I don't know whether this is the right way or that's the right way. But I know who does know the right way. It's the Holy Ghost. And I can pray in tongues and, and God hears those prayers. And a lot of times people say, well, what? It's it, it just, it just gibberish. That's what some of these people teach. Oh, that's just gibberish. It's gobbledygook. You know what? I, I really don't care what you call it. I, I'm not offended that you call it gibberish. The Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. It means that that's a God language for us to speak. So I don't really care if somebody wants to translate the Bible and say, it's gibberish. He that speaketh in gibberish speaketh not men, but unto God. He that speaketh what you think is gobbledygook speaketh not unto men, but unto God. When I speak in tongues, I'm speaking unto God. And God hears what I'm praying. According to what Paul said here, the Holy Ghost knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit is making intercession in you for those things that you don't even know how to pray or what to go about, how to go about praying for those things. But the Holy Spirit does. And he's saying if you pray in tongues, God hears that language and understands that language. Nobody around you may know what you're saying. I don't even know how it works myself. I don't even know how this works. I don't even know why God would do such a strange thing. But I don't care. I know what the Bible says about this. So I hang my head on that. I'm sticking with the Bible as we said earlier. I'm sticking with the Bible. Amen. Amen. There's not an obstacle that we face in this world that we cannot overcome with God's help. Come on, church. Nothing, And I know that there are times that we feel that way, but we do not walk by feelings. We walk in faith in the word of God. There is, I'm going to repeat it again for you. There's not an obstacle that we face in this world that we cannot overcome with God's help. I'm going to say something right on the flip side of that. That's just the reverse of this. Listen to it. As a matter of fact, there's nothing in this world that we can do Without his help. Uh, That's only if you believe Jesus' words. Without me, you can do nothing. And some proud, arrogant person would say... Well, I go to work and I make money and I, 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 I provide for my family and I put a roof over my head and I, I over their heads and I put food on the table for them. I, 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 you just, just go sit in the corner and breathe for a minute if you want. You can't even do that unless God graces your life with breath. You can't walk. You can't stand. You can't talk. You can't be an overcomer without God. You can't be a true overcomer in this life without God. Well, somebody might say, well, I know know somebody that's a, they they live a successful life. They do this, they do that. They got gobs of money in the bank. They're rich, they're famous. They're blah, 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 blah. And on and on and on the list can go. But as far as being spiritually in tune with God, they may miss the mark by a hundred miles. And if they do, they're not a true overcomer according to what the word of God says. Amen. How many people have gone right straight to hell with loads of money? They're not taking it with them. I can guarantee you that. Somebody said it this way. Have you ever seen a, a hearse connected to, a, a, a U-Haul connected to a hearse? <laughs> Nobody, nobody's taking that stuff with them. Amen. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. With this beautiful gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes the ability to speak in a heavenly language that only God understands. And there are a lot of people who say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want those tongues. We had a guy in our church years and years ago when I first got saved. Bless his heart. He was a little guy that used to go around working around the church. And, uh, you know, he really loved the Lord. He really did. And how, how in the world he even stayed in a Pentecostal church, I have no idea. But he was not Pentecostal. I think he might have been raised Methodist or something. I don't know what. But he, he loved the Lord. And he would just walk around. He was about, I think, 70-some years old, oh, close to 80 years old when I got saved back then. And he'd go around the church fixing up things and doing things for the pastor. Anything the pastor wanted done, man, he was one of those guys that just said, Yes, sir, pastor, I'll get it done for you. You know, he would do that. And then he would go around humming, kind of like the, the Swedish cook in uh, the Muppets, but he would be doing that. He'd be muttering unto the Lord, and he'd be praying and just doing joyfully whatever he was doing, Brother Ed. And, uh, and he would say stuff like sometimes he go, uh, I just don't, I, I don't understand about that tongue stuff. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't understand that. And there are a lot of people like that. They, they want the Holy Spirit but they don't want that tongue stuff. How often we come to God and tell him that we want thus and so, but we don't want it this way. <laughs> we think we're going through a fast food drive through thing, you know, oh, I hold the pickles. You know, I want a hamburger, but hold the pickles. No onions, please. I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to speak in tongues. And there are a lot of people just like that. But I'm sorry, it comes with a package. If you want this baptism that these people receive, it comes with the package. But don't think it's odd, don't think it's weird. Just go with the flow. Read the Bible. Does it say it in the Bible? If it says it in the Bible, believe it, receive it, you shall have it. Amen. It's the initial evidence that one has received this baptism, speaking in other tongues is the initial evidence. It shouldn't be the only evidence that you and I have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. There ought to be some other evidences in our lives. Self-control. Amen? Come on. The the more that we yield to the Holy Spirit, the more that he's going to show up in our lives and, and show up through us in our life. So there ought to be plenty of other evidences in our life, but we say it this way. Those who are Pentecostal or charismatic would say it this way. It is the initial evidence. It's the very first thing that you're going to see and that you're going to know that you've received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. You will speak with other tongues. Too many people are afraid of the Holy Spirit because it is the fear of the unknown. That's all it is. A lot of us, we're, I mean, you can look at a, the food uh, that somebody brings out to you that you've never eaten before. Come on. And, and it just doesn't look real good. And you look at it, and you know, you had a kind of a fear of even tasting that because you've never tasted it before. Now, man, there's a whole lot of food that we miss out on because we just won't try it. It doesn't look right to us. Amen. Well, there are a lot of people who are fearful of the Holy Spirit, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit, and they're fearful of tongues because it's just the fear of the unknown. They don't, they don't know. They've never experienced it before. They don't know what to expect when that happens to them, and then fear grips their heart. Therefore, their tongue cannot be loosed in the way that the Lord would have them to loose their tongues. Amen. Matthew chapter seven, verse eleven. Jesus said this, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask him? Luke records this in a different way, but we can understand the context of which Jesus was speaking of here when Luke gives us a little clearer light on the subject. Luke 11:13 says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him Wow! Wow, let me ask you something. Can God be trusted? God's not going to give you something evil. God's not going to give you something weird might be weird to our understanding because we just don't know about it. And the fear of the unknown causes us to just hold back and not not just release ourselves to God. If if people will relax in the presence of the Lord and just worship Him, I'm telling you, they'll come up speaking in tongues every time. But we we hold back. There's something in us that will not allow us to do that. And it is our carnal way of thinking, our natural mind, the temporal uh, things around us, and the fear of the unknown. Amen. So, can God be trusted? Do you trust him? Or are you fearful of the Holy Ghost? You will hear some people say, well, I already prayed for the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, I've prayed several times for the Holy Ghost. Are you going to do what Jesus said to do? He said, ask, seek, and knock. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. That statement in the original language literally means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock And keep on knocking. Well, I didn't get it. Keep on knocking. I didn't get it. Keep on seeking. I didn't get it. Keep on asking. How long should I ask, Pastor Mike? (laughs) Let me ask you this. If you were not born again right now, if you were not saved from your sins, how many times would you ask God to forgive you? I would ask him over and over and over and over until I knew that I was forgiven. Now, we don't have to do that. I understand that. But I'm talking about your soul, your salvation of your soul. Would you just go casually about it and say, well, I've already prayed that he would save me once and he never did, so. You're on your way to hell. (laughs) You are on your way to hell. Well, I prayed three times already and he hasn't saved me. Still on your way to hell. How many times would you pray to be saved? I would keep on praying until I took my last breath to make sure that I was saved and with him for eternity. We cannot, the point I'm making is, is, and and all we do have to do is breathe that prayer out to God and he will come and swoop us up and save us in a second. That's all we have to do is pray at once. We don't have to beg God to save us. We don't have to beg God for the Holy Ghost either. But he says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. How long do we need to do that? Well, how long do we need to pray for Dennis to be healed completely and totally? Until he is. Until he is or until he goes to glory. One one way or another, we're going to pray until that. Amen. We're going to ask and keep on asking. We're going to seek and keep on seeking. We're going to knock and keep on knocking. And it's the same thing with the Holy Ghost. If you prayed once or twice or five or ten times, keep on praying. How long should I pray, Pastor Mike, until you get it? Why? Because you're eligible. If you belong to Jesus, you are eligible. You are a candidate for this. And why would you not want to have that if God gives to you a prayer language that is powerful, that will help you to be an overcomer in your life? Amen. Now, for those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you have not been praying in tongues like you know that you should, don't miss church next week. I want to encourage us. This is not any condemnation to anybody who does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not any condemnation to those of us who might not be using the the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that he has given to us as often as we should. Amen? Come on. This is not a condemnation. This is is an elevation. This is an encouragement. This is a challenge to all of us to be the overcomers that God wants you and I to be. I don't want want somebody to overcome me. I don't want this world to overcome me. I want to overcome the things of this world. And if he's given me the tools and the giftings and the proper things uh, that I need to overcome, I want all of it. I want every bit of it. Amen. The ability to be unto God in tongues is the access to more power with God. Now... And again, I'll probably get into this a little bit more next week in more detail of it. But a lot of the denominational churches that I spoke of earlier who do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who do believe in salvation. Most of those churches do not see what Paul is talking about when he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't see that operating in their churches. I'm sorry. I'm not picking on them. I'm just stating a fact. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That's what Jesus said. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And in a lot of those churches, they do not speak in tongues. They do not lay hands on the sick to see them recover. They do not do a lot of those things that that Jesus said we would be able to do. How do all of those things happen? Where do those things come from? Look at a Pentecostal or charismatic church, and all of these things are operating in those churches. And I'm saying to you that this baptism that we're speaking about here is the doorway to those gifts being operable in our lives. Woo, come on church. All we got to do is believe these things and we'll put them into practice and we will see things happen. We've seen many, many people be healed. We've seen many people be, lit, be delivered and set free. We've seen all kinds of things that Jesus said would happen if we believe. Well, we don't see that in our church. Well, you don't believe that in your church. These signs follow them that believe. Our preacher doesn't preach those things because your preacher doesn't believe those things. The ability to pray unto God in tongues is the access to more power with God. The practice, these are two separate things, the practice of praying in tongues will help to make you an overcomer in this world. Come on. There's two different things that I'm saying here. The ability to pray unto God in tongues is the access to more power. But the practice, but the doing it, the practice of praying in tongues will help you and me to be an overcomer in this world. Why? Because all of the prayers that we're praying in tongues, they are perfect prayers. They're exactly what God is wanting to hear from you because the Holy Spirit is making intercession in you and through you under the Father. And the Father knows exactly what you're praying about. Even when you don't know what to pray about, what you don't know how, and how you don't know how to pray about it. He does. There's a difference between having the access or the ability to something and then the practice of using that thing. Amen? You can have access to the vehicle, which give, give you more power, but if you don't use it, what good is it to you? What good is it in your life? This is a vehicle that God has given to us. It's a gift that he has given to us. If you not not received the, this gift since you believed, that's what Paul said to those guys in the book of Acts, chapter 19. He came upon 12 people who were disciples, followers of the Lord, Followers of the Lord. He says, hey, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believed? So, said, well, we, we haven't even heard whether there be such a thing. He laid his hands upon them and they received. And the Bible says, and they spoke with other tongues. And even in that instance, it says, and they prophesied. They spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. So if you've not received this gift since you became a believer, then open up your heart to receive it. If you're one of those people that said, man, I already prayed for this five times, never received it. Pray again. Pray some more. Pray until you receive. Amen. If you have received it, be sure that you're putting it to use in your life. It is overcoming power for you.